Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, if you're watching this today and you are, you're not a Christian, this is your day. Or if you're a little confused about what Christianity is, or maybe you've grown up thinking it's about rules, a list of do's and don'ts, or maybe, maybe that's what your parents told you or your friends told you, or maybe that's what a church told you and so you walked away. Maybe that's what has caused you to go the opposite direction and uh, lose your faith. Maybe, maybe you saw a news story about something that the church did that you don't agree with and it sent you down a different path. Maybe you, uh, maybe you had a family member who was so overbearing with their version of Christianity that it completely turned you off. And you're watching what I would say is on the right day. And, and uh, like this series title says, we are glad that you're here. But maybe you're a, a Christian, but if you're honest, you get confused about what this is really all about. You, you come to church, you serve, you may even give uh, some, and it's part of your life. You have a relationship with Jesus. But sometimes you wonder what this is really all about. And you, and you wonder what life is really about. And, and, and sometimes you think to yourself, now that I'm a Christian, isn't my life supposed to look like different? And, and when you're honest, maybe it feels like it doesn't. Well, this series is called Glad You're Here. And here's why. Because faith is about showing up and inviting someone with you. You uh, showed up to watch this today. A lot of life and a lot of faith is simply about showing up. And if you're, if you're watching today, maybe for the very first time, maybe somebody told you about this. Maybe somebody invited you to watch this today. Um, l- let, me, let me ask you, like, think about how you ended up watching this, right where you are. Uh, h- how many of you are doing that because someone asked you, you were invited to? Somebody took a risk, they extended an invitation and and they ask you to watch this or maybe they've asked you to come to church with them. That may not feel like a big deal, but when you study why and how someone's life changes, it's actually a huge deal. And so today we're gonna explore this one aspect of Christianity that is, it's often missed, it's often misunderstood, but it's the key to lives changing. And if you're, you're, you're watching this and you're just checking things out, you're exploring, today you get a bird's eye view into what this is all about. And next week we're going to dig into it a little bit more. And uh, at our church on in, in, in March 19th, we're going to leave the building actually. Instead of a service that morning, we're going to be doing something called Love Serves. We would love to invite you to do that with us. And if you want to do that, you can go to lovelkn.org right now and you can find out how to register for that and you can invite your friends. And, uh, and then the last week of this series, March 26th, Craig Allen Cooper is going to be with us speaking. And uh, you may have 
heard some songs in, along the way if you're a country music person by a guy named Walker Hayes. And uh, the thing about Walker is that he's connected with Craig, who's speaking with us, speaking to us on the 26th. Uh, they wrote a book together, and it's about how Craig befriended Walker in a tough time in his life and through an authentic relationship where Craig just showed him love. Walker eventually became a committed follower of Jesus. And they wrote a book together called Glad You're Here. So he's coming at the end of the month. You should come and check us out for that. He's going to tell a story. And uh, we've even got a book that we'll give you if you're able to come. And it's his and Walker's book. Uh, so we want to invite you to do that. But in order to tell you what um, not only that, that book, but way more importantly, Christianity is all about. I want to tell you some stories today. And the first one happened to me. Um, the, the, the kids and I went to a concert with some friends at the Verizon Amphitheater in Charlotte, and it's an outdoor amphitheater, and in the middle of the show, Christopher, my middle child, and Luke, my youngest, have to go to the bathroom, and so I, I walk out with them, and we go to the bathroom, and we start to come back, and, and this concert's packed. It's sold out. There's people everywhere, and it's really, really loud. And so it's hard to talk to each other or hear one another. And Christopher, who's, who's like 11 years old at the time, walks on ahead of Luke and me. He walks a little faster and he's heading, I can tell, for the wrong entrance back into the concert. He's, he's heading for the entrance that would lead to the pit in front of the stage. And our tickets are for further back. And so I'm, I'm calling out to him, but he doesn't hear me because it's so loud. And I'm, I'm holding Luke's hand and he's probably seven years old at the time and, and really just calling out, trying to get Christopher to stop and trying to let us catch up. But he goes on up to where the ticket takers are. And I think, well, uh, they'll stop him and they'll turn him around and he will come right back to where we are. But somehow they don't see him. And he just walks right by them. He walks, walks through them. And I'm like, oh no. And so I run up to the ticket takers who are this big guy and this older woman. And I tell them, my son just walked through here. And they stand in front of me like we've heard that like 25 times all right tonight, buddy. Meanwhile, I'm watching past them and I see the back of my son Christopher disappear among a sea of drunk people, okay? And I'm like, he's right there. Let me just go get him and, and we're gonna come right back. And they're like, nope. And I can tell they're not gonna budge. And I start raising my voice and Luke starts crying and they <laughs> then pretty quickly threaten to call security. And, and I have leveled up my anger to where I'm fine with that. But, but in the moment, I also have a choice to make I'm thinking they aren't gonna let me through and I can get hauled out of here by a, a large police officer or I can find another way to get my child. And so I take a deep breath and I grab Luke's hand and we turn around and we go as fast as we can around everyone back to the back entrance and we enter there and we're cutting in and out of people. And all the while I'm thinking, where is Christopher? Where is he? Is he safe? Is he okay? Is he lost? How is he feeling? Is he wondering where I am and why I'm not with him? Over and over and over again. If you're a parent who's ever lost your kid, you know how this feels. Well, let me stop here and say this. There's nothing more important to God than finding what's missing. There's nothing more important to God than finding what's missing. It's so important, it's so fundamental to Christianity. It's such a fundamental truth about God that Jesus told three stories about it from Luke chapter 15. And if you've ever had a question as to, as to why Jesus came, why did he come? And, and uh, all the people around him certainly did. 
He settles this question with the stories that he told in Luke chapter 15. Three stories in a row about the same thing. Nowhere else in the Bible are there three stories in a row told about anything. But he tells these three stories and they build upon each other. They're three stories about an all-out search for something that was lost. It says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Then Jesus told them a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls to his friends and his neighbors and he says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's his first story. The God's the God who leaves the 99 found to pursue the one who was lost. That's his very nature. And then, and then he tells another story. He says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and, and she loses one. Doesn't she find a, light a lamp and, and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and she says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's nothing more important to God than finding what is missing. And so then he tells one more story, and it's the, the parable of the prodigal son the, or, the, or the lost son. The, this son goes to his father and he says, I would like my share of the inheritance that I'm supposed to get. When, when you die, I want it now. And what he was really saying was, if you were already dead, this would be easier, but since you aren't, I want you to give me what you owe me now. And, and amazingly, to the great surprise of Jesus' audience, who would have been so furious with this young man, the father does it. And the son goes off and, and squanders it all. He wasted on the, what the Bible says is wild living. He enjoys himself for a while, but loses it all and gets a job because he has to feeding pigs. And he's so hungry, he's jealous of what the pigs are eating. And so he says to himself, I, I, I can't go back home to what I had, but maybe dad will let me be one of his hired hands. They're, they're so well taken care of. And so he decides to go home and, and, and he rehearses this speech all the way home. And it's there that we find one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible. It says this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son thought he was gonna find judgment and condemnation. Instead, he found mercy, mercy. Um, there's another story I want to tell you. There was this amazing story that, that happened when I was a teenager. It was October 1987, and this little 18-month-old girl in Midland, Texas, who was walking with her, her two cousins in her backyard, they came across a well 
And if you were around back then, it would have been hard to miss this story that happened because this story of what happened began circulating on the news. The, the, the whole nation tuned into this story. This little 18-month-old girl named Jessica McClure sat on the edge of this well with her feet dangling in. And the well was exactly eight and three-quarter inches in diameter. And when she went to stand up, she fell straight down. The sheriff who was on the scene first, he, he, he knew that this was going to be a really complicated thing because she had dropped 20 feet down into the well where she was stuck. It was a place where the well was corroded and pinched in and, and below her was 70 more feet of open well. And the, and the sheriff began asking for help. So the whole country sits on the edge of its seat and, and, and Wednesday afternoon passed by and into Wednesday evening and people were, were going to do whatever it took. There, there are stories of people flying equipment in just to see if they could help. They flew in an expert. The best uh, strategy this expert decided was to move over from the hole a little bit and dig a hole 22 feet down, then dig across and come underneath her and pull her out. And so they began to dig this complicated hole and and 24 hours passed, and then 36 hours, and then 48 hours passed. And for two days, this girl, baby Jessica, is what we were calling her, was down in this well. And they, they dropped in, at one point, a microphone to hear her. And there was this point where, where they heard her singing Sunday school songs that she had learned in church. And so as they began to dig the tunnel uh, across, there was all of this anxiety and emotion and all this tension all across the country. And, and as they, they'd gotten down, they tunneled across. Something unexpected happened. They hit a wall of solid rock. And, and, and you could see the looks of desperation on the workers' faces. They were, um, they were so worried, but they were able to get this hydro drill and, and FedEx got a plane, they flew it out, they got it, they brought it back and, and they, they cut through the rock with this and, uh, and this guy, Robert O'Donnell, a paramedic, was sent to go down in the hole at 58 hours in, two and a half days to get little Jessica McClure. And so he goes down, the whole country is like waiting. And then he comes up without her. And he's visibly shaken and he, he said that he could touch her, but she was jammed in so tight he couldn't move her. And at 58 hours in, he's given instructions to go back in the hole one more time. Two points I want to share. One is this, understand the urgency of the situation. Something of great value has been lost. People matter to God, and so they should matter to us. And, and if you haven't said yes to Jesus' rescue operation, which is what the cross and the empty tomb is all about, then you are a lost child. And the, and the second thing is this, understand your own value to the Father. Maybe you're like the, the son and you wonder, how will the Father feel if I come back? And he answers that emphatically. The, the, the sheep, when they're found, he says, he rejoices. The coin, when it's found, they rejoice. The son's found, the father rejoices. This is the father's emotion toward you when you return. So at 58 hours in, Robert 
O'Donnell goes back down into the well and the pediatric doctor on the scene tells him that you do whatever you have to do to get her out. If you have to break a leg or you break an arm, you get her out. And so he goes back in and there's this amazing tension that's there and everybody's come together. They've developed a plan, a strategy. They've pulled their resources. They've done everything that they could do. And now they waited. And they waited. And at 58 hours, he emerges with Jessica in his arms with some scratches on her, but safe and alive. And the whole nation like, celebrated that day. A few weeks later, 40,000 people showed up to a parade to celebrate the rescue of baby Jessica McClure. Everybody done everything that they could possibly do. And there was the nationwide celebration that, that took place. There's nothing more important to God than finding what's missing. Why did Jesus come? He was on an all-out rescue mission for you and everyone you know. And this is what the primary role of the church is. This is what the primary point of Christianity is. Jesus has gone on an all-out rescue mission to seek and to save the lost sheep. He's inviting you home. And then he's inviting you to help him. And by the way, I found Christopher. When I got back to our seats, he was standing right there wondering where I had been. Luke 15, 7 says, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So two things today. First is this, understand your value to the Father. It is immense. It is greater than you can calculate, than you can possibly imagine. So great that it means an all-out rescue plan was made for you and for me. Second, at all costs, be an inviter. Because you've been invited first. Because I've been invited in, and now it's our turn to invite somebody else. Because what the church is saying is simply what Jesus is saying, which is not condemnation, it's not anger, it's not frustration, it's not here's the hoops you've got to jump through, it's with arms wide open. I'm glad you're here. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you went on an all-out rescue mission for me and that there was a point where I responded to your call of grace and mercy and forgiveness and relationship. Maybe there are those who are watching who are ready to respond to that too. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is relent and, and surrender and say yes to you and invite you in. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. And there are others of us, God, who have said yes. Would you just put people on our hearts and minds who we need to invite to the church to watch this, maybe to coffee or lunch, but ultimately, God, inviting them to you. Give us a passion, not only for the 99, but for the one who has strayed away. God, would you help us to not be a judgmental church, but a church full of grace and mercy. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. 
If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.